Okay. Again, this week is Bahar here in LA. It's Bechukotai uh, in Israel, and we're going to take a look at Bechukotai. Uh, and Bechukotai itself is a parasha which is made up of two unequal halves. Uh, the first half, which is about three-fifths of the parasha, is um, the blessing and curse which form the end of the Brit of Sinai, meaning every Brit has in it the conditions, uh, the, uh, the obligations, etc., and concludes with the consequences for compliance and for non-compliance. And that's what we have here. Uh, at the end, we've talked about this about a number of years ago, there is one chapter added in, which is about different rules re- relating chiefly to hektesh. But I want to focus on the brachan tochacha, and um, the brachan tochacha themselves are, are fascinating as a study, uh, and of course the common custom that we have of having the tochacha, which is longer than any other part of Bechukotai, all be read in one aliyah with a few psukim earlier so that we don't make a bracha on Puranut, is itself a, a lot to study. The tochacha, just briefly, and I mentioned this a little bit last week, the tochacha is mainly focused on uh, not general violations, but violations having to do with the sanctity of the land, and seemingly uh, the point is Shemitah. That also shows up in Yirmiyahu. Uh, and um, and the Tochacha is filled with the number seven, uh, which seems to bring us back again, like we said last week, to, to Bahar and the sevens, uh, Shemitah and Yovel, etc. And it's like, if you do not listen to me, I'm going to nail you seven times over. And there's a, a lot of sevens in there. But I'd like to put a little bit of a smile on our face today and take a look at the Bracha. And the Bracha, which you have in front of you in Source 1, as you can see, is all of 11 psukim. Uh, now, I'm going to read it through once and translate it as we go along, because we're going to find several anomalies here, uh, both in inclusion and in sequence. And you notice that I've highlighted the word telechu, and it's the word halach as it shows up three times in this, uh, in this, in this bracha. Um, and uh, I'll immediately address, as soon as you finish, I'll immediately address the reason why I highlighted it, but it's a strange phrase. Writ large, if you follow the commandments I've given you. There'll be rain in its proper time, and there'll be produce. Essentially overlapping seasons. Uh, of planting and of harvesting. You will eat your food and be satisfied. And you'll have a secure presence in the land. This is not military security. This is economic security. And then, I'll give you peace in the land and you'll be able to sleep without being afraid. Essentially, I'll save you both from natural disasters and from military attacks. Uh, wild animals won't come through your land and the sword won't pass through your land okay you will chase your enemies your enemies will fall before you by the sword so five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand 
Um, and again, repeating that your enemies will fall before you with the sword. This is military success of an astounding nature and reminds us of some of the stories that were told and the jokes that were told after the Six-Day War. Um, one famous long story that ends with one Arab straggling back to his platoon leader and telling him it was an ambush. There were two of them. If you know the rest of the story, then you, you can grin. In any case, I will turn towards you favorably, obviously. I will increase you. I will make you multiply. And in our dive shear next Monday, we're going to look at this from the context of Puravum. And I will fulfill my breed with you. You're going to eat older food. What that means is stored food. And you're going to have to move the old food out because new food will be coming in. We'll have to see why this is here because we already had the the, uh, bounty mentioned earlier. So why is it mentioned here again? And I'll put my mishkan in your midst. I won't reject you. I will walk among you. Pretty great. I will be a God for you. And you will be my nation. That's a great signature. Now, normally, the next phrase is, is to be your God. We've already got that. So there's a new wrinkle here, which is mihiyot lahem avadim. I redeemed you from Egypt from being their slaves, which is unusual. In fact, it's a it's a unique phrasing. So we have to figure out what it's doing here. And as part of an explanation or explication of that, I've removed slavery from you. I have take broken the yoke from your neck, and I have had you walk upright. And that's the end of the bracha. So without going further, I'm not going to go further because if we do the Tocha, first I'll have to read it quietly and very quickly, as is the custom. Um, I want to take a look at this at this bracha. And I want to start by looking at the opening phrase. Because the opening phrase is strange. How do I know the opening phrase is strange? Because the Sifra tells me. I take a look at the Sifra. And what I've quoted here in Source 2 is actually part of a much longer comment, which, which Rashi also quotes which is, what does imbechukotai telechu? If it's referring to keeping mitzvot, if it's referring to not doing lotases, those are already covered in the other part of the pasuk. So the sifra says, yachol ha mitzvot. I might think that this refers to fulfilling mitzvot. Shuomer et mitzvotai tishmeru vasitemotam. In the rest of the pasuk, it says, keep my mitzvot and, and keep them and guard them. Barim mitzvot amorot already says keep mitzvot. And other Rishonim have taken other directions. The Rashi favorably quotes the Sifra. What does it mean? That you should put sweaty work, hard toil into your study of Torah. Okay, now, I'm not arguing in favor of Pshad here, and that, whether that is Pshad in the Pasuk, but I'm, I'm pointing it out because is a difficult phrase to understand. And so we're going to take a quick look at, at what that, at the problems with it. The, as we all know, when we refer to Jewish law, what is the name that we give it in Hebrew? There's one word that we use all the time. What is it? Halacha. Halacha. What does halacha literally mean? It's walking the path. The walking, right? What is that? It's a strange phrase. Halacha. <laughs> 
We're so used to it, we don't think about how strange it is. Mitzvot I would get. There are commandments. All right? I would even understand minhad because it's the custom that we have, the way that we're accustomed to doing things. Or masoret, tradition. We're following tradition. Halakha is an odd phrase. So the verb to walk, lalachet, shows up hundreds of times in Chumash. However, it almost always refers to the physical action of moving from one place to another on your legs, walking somewhere, right? However, early on, we find it used in a different context. Going back to the first mystical character in Chumash. Now, I'll I'll say this carefully because Adam is a mystical character too. There's a lot of things we don't know about Adam. And Adam lived so long, etc., but he's not described as a mystical character in Tanakh. The first character described in a mystical way is a fellow named Chanoch, who was seventh generation from Adam following the Shait line. And Chanoch um, lives a really, really short life. He's, he's off as a teenager. He's only 365 when he dies. Right? And this is, remember, he is, his, uh, his kid is Mutushelach, uh, who, of course, sets the records. At the end of the little vignette, about not vignette, but his little genealogical entry, it says, and it says twice. The second time, Chanoch walked with God, and he's no longer, God took him. Now, does that mean that he didn't die? He went up to heaven like Eliyahu. It means he disappeared. It means that he died very young, and we're just saying it in a nice way. We don't know. But he's described as lehitalech et Elohim, walking with God. Now, we're not picturing a guy who's necessarily taking a long hike with God. The image of lehitalech et Elohim seems to t- talk to us about a godly life. We then hear the same phrase when it comes to what might arguably be the first hero in Tanakh, although I wouldn't accept that argument, but you could make the argument, which is Noach. Ela told Noach, when he's introduced, Noach is tzaddik, tamim hayah bedorotav, and again bedorotav, flips two ways, the famous Midrash was the only great in his generation uh, relative to the scourge of uh, people that existed at the time. In any case, et ha'elohim italach Noach, the same exact phrase as used with Chanoch. He walked with God. Now, we have to assume that that, again, doesn't mean that he took a spazir, he took a little hike, and and uh, Allah Breslov went out to some forest where God walked with him. It seems to refer to a, a, an uplifting life, a spiritual life, a morally sensitive life, something which means for the first time we have the verb halach referring to something other than self, auto-transportation by feet, and refers to a way of life. However, that verb gets used in a much more direct way when Hashem addresses Avram, is about to change his name to Avraham, and give him Brit Milah. And when, Av, when he appears to him, he said, Vayi Avram ben Tishim Avtesh Hashanah, Avram is 99, Vayi Avram, God appears to him, Vayomer Elav Ani El Shaddai, introduces himself, Hitalech Lefanai Vayetamim. It's a little different. First of all, it's not a description, it's a command. It's not that uh, saying Avram walked with God. It's saying God is saying walk, and not walk with me, but walk before me. And what does walk before me mean? 
and it somewhat echoes Noach, be wholehearted. Tamid. But here, Avram is being given this command. Interestingly, no one else ever gets that command. We don't ever hear God giving that command to anybody else. He gives that command to Avram. But if you think about it, that really does speak to Avram because what was the first command Hashem did give Avram? It was the first thing God ever said to Avram that we have recorded. Go. And then when he gets to the land, Hashem says to Avram, Kum get and walk through the land. And at the pinnacle of his career, at the Akedah, Avraham's life is filled with walking, actual walking, transportation by feet. He leaves Haran and he walks to Eretz Canaan. He walks Haloch Venasoah Negba. Then he goes down to Egypt. Then Egypt he comes back and he comes back to the spot that he was and he and, and Lot have to separate and Avram is constantly walking, constantly moving. But also God commands him. And the interesting thing is that when Avram's career is over, meaning at the last scene we see with Avram being active, is when Avraham makes his slave take an oath that he will go to Haran and bring back a wife for Yitzchak from the family. When the slave goes to Haran, remember the story, the slave goes to Haran and the, um, and the family there wants to feed him. He says, I won't eat until you tell, uh, let me tell my story. They say, okay, Daber, speak, tell your story. And he says, Eber Abraham Anochi, and he tells his story. And in it, he tells about the discussion with Abraham when Abraham told him what to do and what he, and how he responded. And he said, I told my master, what if she's not willing to come with me? And now, watch his report. This is now the servant quoting Avram. Vayomer Eli. This is what Avram said to me. Adonai, asher lefanav, Hashem, before whom I have walked. Yishlach malacho itach, he'll send an angel with you and he'll help you, etc., etc. So Avram now describes himself, and it's the first time anybody has a self-description this way of walking with or before God. And again, it's before God, just like God commanded him, which means that at least from the moment the Brit Milah was given to Avraham, Avraham is holech lifnei Hashem. He walks before God, in the presence of God. And that's Avraham's life. By the way, that is, again, not mentioned, not as a description, not as a self-statement, not as a command to anybody else, just Avraham. Okay. And the word continues to have its old meaning, its only meaning, its walking meaning, until we get to Sefer Shmot. In Sefer Shmot, B'nai Israel are brought out of Mitzrayim. There's a lot of walking there, a lot of holeching there. And uh, Lechel Paro, Moshe is told to go to Paro. And Vayelech um, Ishmi Beit Levi. There's a lot of walking in Shmot. A lot of walking everywhere. So we got places. B'nai Yisrael, leave Mitzrayim. Walking just means walking. They cross Yamsuf. Walking means walking. They walk through the Midbar, and walking means walking. And then they get to Midbar Sin, and a month after leaving Mitzrayim, and they complain about hunger. And Hashem says to Moshe, tell B'nai Yisrael, I'm going to give them food, and now watch this pasu. It's source 7. I'm going to give you food from heaven. 
And they will go and collect food every day. So that I can test them. Will they walk in my Torah? And this is the first time that those two things are wedded. Not walking before God or walking with God, but walking suddenly being associated with following a set of norms. Living by my rules is called walking. And again, there's no perambulation here. All we're talking about is living a certain kind of life. And interesting, the second mention of this comes not from God and not from Moshe, but comes from Yitro. When Yitro gives Moshe the famous advice about how to teach people the law and the judicial hierarchy that he suggests to him, he then says, you teach those judges, tell them all the laws. Which is, by the way, why most of the Rishonim think that Yitro came after Matan Torah. And there's a lot of laws to teach. Now notice how beautifully these two ideas are wed. Show them the path that they may walk on it. And now suddenly halacha takes on a new meaning. It is walking a path, but it's not physically walking a path. It's living a life, and that life is a path. And going on that path is walking. And suddenly it's becoming clearer. But the verb lalachet, ceases to mean anything but walking at that point. Until the Israeli part of Vayikra, I know that sounds very odd, the Israeli part of Vayikra, there's not a Lebanese part of Vayikra, I'll explain what I mean. Sefer Vayikra is made up of three thirds, but they're not equal. The first third is the Kohanic part of Vayikra, which is why it gets its name Leviticus. And that goes really through chapter 17. And that is the Korbanot, and that is the Tum'ah, and that is Tarata Tum'ah, and Shchut Echutz, etc. Starting in chapter 18, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, chapter 18, which is the middle of Achremot, the shift is now to Bnei Israel, And from chapter 18 through chapter 24 is the conclusion of the standard Oral Moed with the mitzvot given to Bnei Israel that affect Bnei Israel. There certainly are sections there that are Kohanic, but it's chiefly to Bnei Yisrael. And here's how it starts. Do not behave like the Egyptians where you came from. Don't behave like the Canaanim where you're coming to. Here it is. Don't walk in their in their practices. And suddenly, associated with a way of life, but it's a way of life we have to not walk in. Don't walk in their way. And then, guard my, uh, keep my laws and guard my statutes. So God is saying, you can walk in one of two paths. You can walk in the path of Egypt slash Canaan, the nation you came from, the nation you're coming to, or you can walk in my path. That's the one you're supposed to walk in. And again, walking here now is not moving your body with your feet. It's living a life. And at the end of Parshat Kedoshim, is a repetition of Don't practice the practices of the, of the Jews, of the non-Jews of the, the nation. Now, 
We come to our pasuk, in Bechukotai Telechu, and we're immediately hit with something which is very familiar because we're now at the end of Sefer Vayikra, and Vayikra was a book that really appropriated Holech as a way of life and not just as walking. We get the first allusions to it in Breshit. We get it wedded to a way of life in Shmot. And now we're commanded regarding it in Vayikra. Don't walk in that path, walk in this path. And now the condition is, if you indeed walk in that path. And you understand why the rabbis are bothered by the phrase, because the phrase is, is an unusual one. But then again, given the context of Vayikra, it's almost a natural one. Following my laws. However, let's go back and remember that Avraham is the walker in Breshit. Avraham is the only one who's told, walk before me. Avraham is the only one who says about himself, I have walked before God. Again, a way of life. And on a physical level, Avraham is the great walker of Breshit. He walks everywhere. He walks from Haran to, first of all, he walks from Urkastim to Haran with his father. Then he walks from Haran to Eretz Canaan. He walks through Eretz Canaan, walks to Egypt, walks back. <laughs> then God says, walk the length and the breadth of the land, it's your land. And he walks to, to Stom, and he wa- walks towards Stom, and then he walks to Grar. He walks everywhere. He's walking, walking, walking. Avram is all Which, of course, is what Avram's life is about. Avram is constantly on the move. So I'd like to suggest, when you take a look at this passage, and that all was introduction, that when you take a look at this passage, what we're seeing is Avraham's career, Avraham's life, coming to life at the foot of Harsinai in the form of the Brit. Let's see it. Im b'chukotai telechu, which is a total Avraham phrase. Vet mitzvotai tishmeru v'asitemotam. And I'll show you that this is just a total Avraham phrase. It's alluding to Avraham. Now, what are the promises? The first promise is of rainfall and agricultural bounty that will lead to economic security. The next is military security. The next is propagation. The next is another mention of, uh, of agricultural bounty. And then the Mishkan being among us and us walking with God, with God, and God having us walk upright. What's going on? So if we look through Avram's career, we'll see that, first of all, Avram starts off as walking. He's a walker. We saw that. And throughout his career. But now, when Avraham, when Hashem decides to share with Avram what he's going to do to Stom, he has the famous line in source 12. God says, Avraham, Avraham is going to be a great nation, big nation. It's all the families of the world will be blessed through him. He's going to command his children. Do you see our opening line there? This is exactly our line. And what does Hashem say about Avram? This is what Avram is going to do. He's going to guard my mitzvot. He's going to command his children. And they will guard the way of Hashem, which is to do righteous and, righteousness and justice. All right? Now, when Yitzchak wants to go, who gets, by the way, none of this. Yitzchak doesn't get to Lefanai, Halech Lefanai, right? But, and Yitzchak, by the way, if you remember, does not get a Brit. Yaakov does not get a Brit. What Brit do Yitzchak and Yaakov get? Brit Avraham. God makes a Brit with Avraham. 
And then says to Yitzchak, the Brit that I made with Abraham, I'm continuing with you. And Yaakov, I'm continuing with you with an add-on of protection. Avram is the man of the Brit. Now, when Yitzchak wants to go down to Gerar, and wants to go to Egypt, and, and he gets to Gerar, and God stops him. The beginning of chapter 26, God stops him. God says, don't go down to Egypt. Stay here. I'm going to bless you here. Why am I going to bless you? Because Avram listened to me, and now take a look. He kept my guard, my commandments, and my laws. It's exactly the same phrase we have in our Pasuk. That's what Avram celebrated for. He keeps God's laws. He keeps God's statutes. He keeps God's guarding things. He's, he's loyal to God. And because of that, Yitzchak will be blessed. Now, before going further, I just want to make an observation which we are all familiar with. I can't speak for everybody here, but I think, knowing most of you, that our lives are um, materially and in many ways far better than our parents were. We're doing better than our parents were doing. And our parents, I think it's safe to say, sacrificed for us. In many cases, they did without to ensure that we would have. And by the way, we all do the same for our kids, don't we? This principle that the sacrifices of the older generation become the bounty of the next generation is, I believe, the heart and soul of this bracha. When Avram, take a look at source 14, when Avram first comes to the land, what does he encounter? Famine, and he has to leave. So what's the first bracha we're given? If we follow, if we're loyal to Avram's path, and we follow the mitzvot and walk with God, rainfall and bounty, you won't have to leave the land. What's the next thing that happens when Avram comes back to the land? There is a war that comes, and war comes through the land, and Avram has to get involved in the war in order to save Lot. What's the next promise? There won't be war in the land. What's the next thing that happens on Abraham's career? Something that already starts at the beginning of his career is he's married to Sarai, who is barren, to the point where finally he has to, at her push, take Hagar and have a child with Hagar, and then finally has a child with Sarai. So what's the third promise? You're going to have tons of kids. Notice how beautiful this is. If you are loyal to Abraham's path, then all the suffering that Abraham endured, you will be spared from. And the specific things that we read about as deprivations that Avram had to face with full faith are things that you'll be blessed with. You'll be blessed with children. You'll be blessed with bounty. There won't be a famine in the land. There won't be war. All beautiful. And then we look at what it is that Avram did. We know that Avram kept his faith that God's promise was going to be fulfilled, even though he didn't have one dunam of land till Sarah died. He didn't have, at seemingly, more than one kid in the house, really, at any point. And even that didn't last. And nonetheless, what did Avram do everywhere he went? Everywhere he went, take a look, he builds a Mizbeach as soon as he gets to Eretz Canaan, and he calls out in God's name. After God shows him the land, he walks through the land, he builds him his Beach in Hebron, calls out in God's name. He then sets up an Eshel in Beersheba after he makes a brief with Avimelech and calls out in God's name. He is publicizing God everywhere. Notice, 
Avram has to go from here to there to publicize God's name, then to there to publicize God's name, and there to publicize God's name. Avram has to be on the road. Have Tanakh will travel. Please take a look at the at the entire bracha now. We'll see it together. Together. Huge allusion to Avraham. That And you keep my mitzvot and you observe them. First thing, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you rain in its time. The land will give its bounty and the fruit will give, the fruit trees will give their fruit. You'll be threshing wheat while you're harvesting grapes, and you'll be harvesting grapes while you're planting the next wheat. There'll be so much stuff, the seasons are going to overlap. Sounds like the end of Amos, if you take a look at it. You're going to eat your food and be satisfied. Exactly the opposite of what Avram experienced. Avram didn't have land. Avram couldn't plant. Avram had to be a merchant because he was on the road. He owned sheep. He couldn't be a farmer. And there was a famine in the land. You get the opposite. And then, shalom there won't be Kedarla Omer coming through your land. There won't be anybody coming through your land as an enemy. You won't have any wild animals coming through. You won't even have armies marching through the land to somewhere else. And then, by the way, think about it. Where are you chasing your enemies if nobody's coming through the land? The answer is, you're expanding the land. And you're chasing your enemies there. And your small numbers will chase big numbers and you'll knock them out. And then what happens? I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to increase your size. And this vav is a vav asikum, a vav that now ties it all together. I'm going to make my breed happen. What's that breed? That breed is the land and the children. You got it all. But we're not done. You might make the argument, if we suddenly have all these kids, then all that bounty is not going to be enough. You're promising us lots of food, but now we've got lots of kids. The answer is, you're going to have so much bounty that you're going to have to remove the old stuff because new stuff is coming in. There won't even be room in your storehouses for the stuff. That's how much stuff you're going to have. Don't worry about having all those kids. It's fine. I'll take care of it. And then how does it end? It ends with the real point of the promise. Avram had to go place to place to publicize my name. I'm going to do it differently. I'll make my presence among you. I won't reject you. That You're going to have to go somewhere else and find me. I will walk among you. This goes back to the very beginning of Hashem saying to Avram, walk before me. And now watch how he ends it. I took you out of Mitzrayim. You were their slaves and I broke that. I destroyed that. That's what I did for you. And therefore, I broke the chains of your, or the, the, the yoke of your burden. And I have walked you straight up. I have walked you with a, an upright position. 
You're walking como mute. Now, straight up and proud. Notice how the deprivations, the suffering, the, the austere life that Abraham was forced to live, both in a sense of settlement, in a sense of family, in a sense of security, in every which way, now comes full circle and we're able to realize all those blessings. And we don't have to do what he did. We don't have to have that faith because it's going to happen. What we do have to have is a commitment to follow the path that he blazed. Avram blazed the trail for us, and all we need to do is stay true to that. So where does that come into our, into our peace? Right here. You take a look at in Vayikra, when, Vayikra, when it talks about walking, Avram walking. Do not behave like the Mitzrayim. What's the first thing that happens when Avram comes toward Mitzrayim? He says to Sarai, the Mitzrayim are different. They're not like us. We got to be different. We got to lie. We got to play games because the Mitzrayim are other people. And what does Avram say at the end of his career to his slave? I don't want Yitzhak to marry a local girl. Be like Avram. Don't imitate the Egyptians. Don't imitate the Canaanites. Don't walk in their path. Rather, I'm giving you mitzvot, walk in that path. That's the halacha. That's how you should live your life. And now, now becomes a realization of the great Abrahamic dream that for his descendants now becomes a reality when we're able to maintain loyalty to the path that he blazed for us. Yes, how does it tie back to Chanoch? Chanoch is just another example, one of the two examples that we have of somebody who was, you know, the first mention of halakha as a non-walking, as a spiritual experience. So Hanoch and Noah are described as holech et Elohim. So we first see that notion, but it's not nearly as powerful as Avram, who's commanded by God, hitalech, and it's not iti, but lefanai, which is a more appropriate statement. And Avram himself testifies, halim asher hitalachti lefanav. 